0: Welcome to Star Wars Age of Rebellion. This is an RPG storytime presentation of a campaign played over several years utilizing all three Star Wars roleplaying books by Fantasy Flight Games. This is a grand campaign where everything you hear was decided by players in an epic scale role-playing and strategy game, then turned into this production that tells the story one chapter at a time with occasional explanations of game mechanics. The episodes are shorter than most gaming podcasts because each session is summarized in the form of a story much like an audiobook. It begins with a small band of agents played by a few role players. As the Rebel cell grows, more players are brought in to take on the roles of other operatives heading out on other missions and taking part in various battles. Every choice affects the direction of the story, both for the characters on the mission and for the overall story arc. And the ultimate fate of the Juvex and Senex sectors is up to them. The group of Rebels has at last located the old Jedi who had spoken to them through the kyber crystal wall. His mind had been trapped for decades within the confines of the Sith temple. Now he is prepared to train those with powers in the ways of the Force. However, they have a debt to pay to one member of the group who joined them so they would help her find her sister. Steyr on Ramab was speeding back to the resort where he had first picked up the trail of the Rebels he had seen. He had not expected to locate a bounty while on vacation hunting, but there they were, a group of wanted rebels blatantly strolling around the lodges. And then they had wandered into the woods. Steron had followed them night and day, waiting to see where they were going. He had thought they were done for when they ran into a band of thugs, but they had turned the tides and stolen their speeders. This was when Steron knew they were not to be messed with, and he instead followed from a distance, remaining on the tops of cliffs as they traveled down into the canyon. There they stayed— setting up what appeared to be a permanent camp, so he hopped in his speeder and rushed away. The Empire would pay a mighty good price for information about a new Rebel cell, so he didn't waste any time. Steron hurried all the way back to the spaceport. There he checked out of the resort and got clearance for liftoff. He made all the quick preparations to leave. But Steron caught in his eye. She knew a bounty hunter when she saw one, and he was in too big a hurry to be taking back a small prize. She noticed the direction from which he had come. It was where the rest of the group had gone where they had found the ancient temple. They had called her already and told her to join them. She had been waiting for Night to Fall so as to be less obvious when her ship was flying. Now she was glad she had waited. She followed him to his ship and met him at his landing ramp just as he was about to close it. They faced off, both knowing why the other was there. Her hand hovered over her holstered gun. His hand moved closer to his own. He grabbed it and drew, but she was faster. The shot went straight through his chest. The chambers of the ancient Sith temple were being dug out and cleaned up to fit furniture and equipment. Vresh had connected with the base in the Juvek sector and Alliance headquarters. Lead command had sent support personnel to help build it, and construction was coming along nicely. They had built a headquarters and part of a hangar bay with a large top door to hide the ships they had acquired. They were also in the process of building other parts of the base. Game note here. At this point, we began using rules that allowed the players to build out their rebel base utilizing duty points they acquired on their missions. They could also purchase equipment using resources and personnel using manpower points. All of these were acquired through missions that were performed. You can see more of this and utilize the same system by following the link in the description below. But for story purposes, you will see the rebel base expand based on the accomplishments of the characters throughout the story. Now on with it. The crystal cave was mined for its resources, including the Kuiper crystals, which were extremely valuable. Huff spent these on improvements to his ship, which he renamed Logan's Run. The improvements included taking off the rebel flag from the top. The primary improvement he made was to the targeting system so they could shoot away any pursuers. Duke took the ship that Inna had taken, renaming it the General Nadine, but this time leaving off the rebel symbol. The group utilized connections to the resort to purchase what they required. They would need these as they sought Inna's sister, Calicie. Huff had not forgotten their promise to help the bounty hunter, nor had Lt. Tiza Wynne, who left the base to reconnect with her connections who might know what happened to Khaleesiye's end. Davith Oberon trained the Force-sensitive among them, building upon their strengths and teaching them methods of the old ways. He showed them how to use a lightsaber, how better to utilize the powers they had, and how to use new powers. He showed Aylor how better to manipulate the minds of the weak. He showed Velina how to look deeply into the universe at places she could not see. He showed Jarn how to better manipulate the environment around him, but mostly, he revealed how much of the Force is around them in every way, how it penetrates all living things, and affects time and space in ways people can hardly imagine. "'Beyond everything we hold dear and important is the Force,' Davith taught them. "'Only by respecting its will can we ask it to support ours.' On his free time, Jarn wandered the Sith Temple, studying its structures and feeling the aura about it that remained. Most of the evil had been banished from it, but something remained, something distant. He found himself drawn back to the chamber where they had fought the spirit, and his attention was drawn to the walls. He felt a presence beyond them, like thousands of voices from as many locations across the galaxy. He knew not what it was. Trapped souls? Lost Sith? People touched with the Force? He would have to study it but he could only be in the room for short amounts of time before his shivering soul forced him to leave. While practicing with her lightsaber, Felina noticed Aylor standing atop a cliff. She was looking off into the distance. Felina tried to see what she was looking at, but found nothing. When she looked back, Aylor was gone. The next time she saw her friend, and the time after that, and the time after that, Aylor continued to seem more and more distant. Felina tried to ask her in a casual way which she might have seen atop the cliff, and Aelor brushed her off by saying, Nothing. Felina then tried to make a joke about the gaudiness of the ship in it had stolen, and Aelor merely shrugged her shoulders and began to leave. Felina then sent a message through her mind. A power Davith had taught her. You are not to blame for what happened in the cave, she said. That could have been any of us. But it wasn't any of you, was it? Aelor said. Jarn went down, Felina said. We're all new at this. None of us had any training yet. Aylor turned to Velina, a fearful, bitter look in her eyes, and she said, But what you don't understand is, I enjoyed it. For once, Velena didn't have a comeback, so Aylor continued, I felt more power than I had ever felt before, certainly more than Master Senile could ever teach. You've never been held down before, strapped down to a table while someone steals your very soul from you, to be violated like that. I saw the man with the cybernetic eye patch in that cloak, and it felt so good to lurch at him. Every blow I struck was a weight lifted off my shoulders, justice for what he had done to me. Valina sensed the hate growing within Aylor, like a flame rising out of a spark and sizzling away at every part of her. Felina didn't know what to say, so she just spoke her name. Aylor Aylor's eyes blinked, and she drew in a breath. The anger waned. And she dropped from hatred to a passive sadness. Then she retreated toward her quarters. A couple days later she disappeared. No one knew what had happened to her, or where she went, but Velina knew immediately. She couldn't feel Aylor's presence anywhere. The night watch said they hadn't seen anything. But that would simply be Aylor's mind trick ability. She was off searching for the man with the cybernetic eye patch. Since Vresh was the one among the group who was most concerned with building up the rebel base, he was promoted to lieutenant by Alliance Command. Since Wynne had formerly been a lieutenant in the Empire, she was also given her previous rank, with Vresh having seniority since he had never belonged to an enemy military structure. Once a command center had been built, the two lieutenants called a meeting. All arrived except Jarn. Vresh decided to begin without him and called the meeting to order with a growl. He then put up the holographic map that showed the Sinex Sector. He overlaid it with the location of their own rebel base, then overlaid it again with the location of all Imperial fleets and other military units. Lieutenant Wynn began her talk. What you see here is the sector in which we are operating. The systems are color-coded based on who owns them. Black is Imperial. White isn't controlled by anyone. The other colors are the various houses. Our neighbors in the Juvec sector have managed to steal information that reveals the location of all Imperial fleet and troop movements in their sector and others. Here they are. As you can see, their presence here is light because we haven't caught their attention yet, and some of their forces have been sent to the Juvec sector to deal with our aforementioned allies. This gives us some time to build ourselves up in secret. Alliance Command has sent some aid to do so. Apparently, they will be making a large move soon, and our sector is to play a major role in this. They will provide us with more when it becomes time. We are doing that in four phases. Huff's group will be heading out to fulfill their promise in rescuing in his sister, Khaleesië. She was sold by a man named Brandon Doba, who has turned to piracy. Information about him can be found on Port Evoc, so that's where you will be heading. I will provide you with more information before you leave. As you search for Khaleesiye, you will also gather whatever information you can about the various factions in this sector. In the meantime, Duke will lead a team to free slaves who might be useful members of the Rebellion from some of the local houses. I will likewise be leading a team to steal supplies from these houses so we will need to coordinate so we don't turn every faction in the sector against us. John will remain at the base, coordinating the resources we send back. He will also be continuing his studies of the Crystal Caverns, which seem to be providing some insights that might be useful. Good luck to all of you, and may the Force be with us. As a game note, the three campaigns of this sector were being played as two Imperial Assault campaigns and the ongoing RPG campaign. Each campaign turn, the players had choices as to what lead they would follow, which would then turn into a mission. That mission would provide a certain amount of points of resources, manpower, and duty if successful, and fewer points if unsuccessful. Those points could be spent on different types of things. Resources could be spent on improvements to the base and specific types of ships, manpower could be spent on operatives and soldiers, and duty could be spent on starships specific to the Rebellion, as well as a couple things from the other lists. Improvements to the base would then add a new room to the map which provided certain advantages to every campaign. They began with a control center, living spaces, the kyber crystal mine, and the hangar. They had a research center and quarters built with their initial resource points which came from some of the kyber crystals they sold. They bought a handful of fighters with their starting duty points, which came from the prestige they had gathered up until this point. As they gathered more ships and soldiers, they could use them in missions or save them for the final fight that would be coming at the end. With all that in mind, back to the story. As the separate teams boarded their ships, Huff and Duke saw one another again, but this time there was something different in the air between them. They had always been certain they would see one another again, but now everything seemed more serious, like one of them just might not come back. They didn't even want to joke about it. "'You take care of the general now,' Duke said. "'She's called Logan's Run,' Huff said. "'Well, I guess she's all your ship now, fair and square. You can call her what you want.' "'You're always welcome on it,' Huff said. "'No need. I got one of my own.' Duke backed up to the ship that belonged to the bounty hunter Inna had killed. This one's an even sweeter ride, and I already have her all souped up. Duke pressed a button, and the horn blew. Huff shook his head, and Duke laughed. Then Huff said, Hey! Duke stopped and asked what. Then Huff said, Keep your head down out there. You too, Huff, Duke said, and the two brothers parted ways. From on board Davith Oberon's old ship, the Krusty Minock, Puck watched Felina the girl he had known as a child, and the woman he had longed for, board the Logan's Run. They had drifted apart despite their adventures together, but he still thought of her often. Now, who knew where their separate adventures would take them? The three ships launched and took off in their various directions. Jarn was left behind to guard the base. He had been studying the crystal wall, trying to learn how to use it. He and Davith both believed he would be most useful remaining behind to try to understand the mysteries of this place and he was so close to a breakthrough. Jarn was presently trying to use the Crystal Cave to reach out to Aelor. It felt like it was in some way a communication system within the Force, and if he could just use it properly, he might be able to communicate with her. He felt like he was on the verge of understanding, of utilizing it in some way, and he couldn't be interrupted. Even if he couldn't reach his friend, he might come to an understanding, to learn something about this place no one knew, and then, quite suddenly, He felt something within the crystals leap out at him, something that jumped at his mind, something dark that had sensed him and tried to grab him. He fell back onto the plinth, gasping for air, fearful of what it might be. Staring back, he tried to find it, but it was a darkness beyond his reckoning and past his control. This has been an RPG Storytime presentation of Age of Rebellion. Join us next week to hear what happens next. If you'd like to see a visualization of this episode, check out our YouTube channel. The link is in the description. If you'd like to see other things written by the author of this show, you can also find that in the description. Happy gaming everybody!